Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, welcome to you all. It's good to have you with us as we cover this new Bible study series of Flourishing in Isolation. We are living in unprecedented times and uh, that word unprecedented has never been used so many times. We realising how much time it feels like between one Sunday and the next and it feels like a week is a long time in this coronavirus situation we find ourselves in. And so we thought let's do something during the week to break up the week to give those who are self-isolating some way of connecting back into the church community and so if you are with us it's great to have with us please do comment on the chat room on our website we'd love to hear from you Uh, some of our team members are there to chat if you're watching this live we'd love you to participate Uh, send us your comments and requests and questions and uh, maybe as the evening goes on we will be able to answer some of those or look at some of those as we go through this time together we are in an uncertain time but we also believe in a very certain god And so I want to spend some time this evening to spend time in the word of God, to make sure we're participating in what does God say to us at this time. Uh, We've created a bit of a new programme as Freedom Church. So if you're part of Freedom Church, you may have seen this in an email we sent around to the the, uh, church partners yesterday. Um, We are going to start meeting on every Sunday online at 10 o'clock. We'll repeat that at 7 o'clock in the evening. And then we're also going to have this Bible study every Wednesday at seven o'clock in the evening as well. During the week, you can join us for prayer starting tomorrow morning at 8.30 in the morning. Hannah will be leading us through on Facebook live uh, for 15 minutes, 8.30. And I'll be doing the Friday morning slot and different church partners will participate. And then probably one of the highlights of the week, I think, will be uh, when we have the Freedom Kids team on Friday, uh, 10 o'clock as well, participating, doing some online uh, videos for us to join in with your families. So lots of things we're trying to plan to make this as connected as church as possible and do have a look at our website, do find ways to get involved. It's um, an unusual season, but it's an incredible season. We've been blown away by the the food bank, both the need and the generosity. Uh, The need has gone up. We had loads of families this morning that desperately needed our help and the team were able to help them from this location. But the generosity of the community has also matched and gone above and beyond. On Monday, Uh, We had half a tonne, 500 kilograms of food was donated. And at the same time, we've been given generous financial donations from Waitrose and from the Rotary Club and uh, even members of the community. So if you want to get involved, if you want to donate food or if you want to donate finances, again, go to the website and we'd love to help you um, to help others. So this is a time of need where some could need help and some are able to support. Please do participate in any you can. And if you want to get involved in a group or being part of the church community, again, we'd like to let you know how you can do that. All links are on the website. And I've been so blown away today. Have you seen the thing around the NHS, the volunteers that have come through? Uh, they wanted 250,000 volunteers and in just over 24 hours, over 400,000, last time I looked, had volunteered to help. What an amazing uh, country we're part of and a community that's really gathering to help each other. John Maxwell uh, said these words uh, just yesterday. He said, crisis doesn't make us, it reveals us. If you squeeze an orange, he said, you'll get, you'll get orange juice. Uh, choices make us, but our crisis reveals us. We have control over the choice we make, but we don't have have control over the crisis we face. And right now we're facing a crisis. And we need to think about the way we want to lead through that crisis. You can't moan and lead at the same time. Leaders need to bring hope and moaning never brings hope. 
Well, you might be thinking, oh, that's great for a leader of a church or a leader of a school or a leader of a hospital or a leader of a community group. But I think it's for people who are leading their families. Let's lead our families into hope. Let's lead ourselves into hope and not moan at this time. So tonight I want to spend some time deliberately getting hold of the Bible. I want to find out what does the Bible say about some things. We can do a lot of introductions tonight, but as this series rolls on, uh, we're going to find different words from God here that we can really benefit from. I've called this flourishing in isolation because I want us as followers of Christ to flourish. Psalm 92 says his great words, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. It's one of my favourite verses because I and often say it to members of our church, say if you get yourself planted, if you get yourself connected, if you build yourself into the house of the Lord, you'll flourish, you'll grow strong. Now we can't gather in the same way. We can't participate at church in the same way, but we can get involved by reading the Bible. You can spend time at home in the word of God. I remember two years ago, I met a lady called Hei Wu from North Korea. And Hei Wu was an older lady um, and she was a Christian. But because of her Christian faith, she had been arrested and put into prison and in a concentration camp in North Korea. And she said she wasn't allowed to worship. She wasn't allowed to read the Bible. But sometimes I would get hold of one page of the Bible and it'd be thin and it'd be threadbare because it'd been passed from person to person. And they would have learnt the Bible off by heart. And she said to us through a translator, she said some of the best times we had was when it rained. When it rained, we'd run into the middle of the field and all the guards would hide in their hut. And we would sing our worship songs in the middle of the rain and we recite scriptures that we'd memorise because the Bible is really precious to us. And it's, we found out from her that the church members and Christians in North Korea, if they do have a Bible, it's so precious, but I'll put it inside a plastic bag and they'll bury it in the ground so that no one can find it. And then they'll dig it up when they want to read it. The word of God is precious. And then last year, I met a lady in Iran, uh, from Iran, who had, again, been arrested for being a Christian, even though Iran is actually the fastest growing church in the world right now. And she had um, been arrested and sent into a prison in, in solitary confinement. And inside this prison, all she had was a pencil, which she'd stolen from the guard on her way into the prison cell. And she just covered the walls of the prison cell with all the verses she remembered. She just, Psalm 23, they that walk through the valley of the shadow of death will fear no evil. She just wrote all the verses she could think of. John 3, 16, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. All those different verses, Isaiah 40, uh, those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And she covered her wall with all the Bible verses she remembered because the word of the God of Lord gives us strength and it helps us. And in times of crisis, in times of challenge, it's a real good source. I'm gonna encourage you to get hold of it and to read it. And hopefully tonight we'll start to unpack what it means to flourish in isolation. Isolation can be an opportunity to create new ideas. That may sound a little bit you know, worrying right now. You might think I'm stuck at home with the children and it's not going that great. But trust me, isolation can create new opportunities. For instance, in 1606, there was a plague that swept through England. This is not the first challenge we face as a nation. And in that time, uh, many people were quarantined, theatres were closed down. And one of the most famous writers of the day, a man called Shakespeare, was stuck in his home. And it said, some historians say, um, that during that time, he wrote Macbeth and possibly King Lear and Antony and Cleopatra while he was at home, self-isolating, if they would have used that word. 
And then Isaac Newton, a little bit later on the same century, 1679, he had, had falling out with other uh, scientists. And so he took himself off and he isolated himself in his home in Woodthorpe. And it was there while he was all by himself and alone where he started to create new ideas, including his theory of gravity. Isolation can create new ideas. Or as a friend of mine, Ben Cooley, uh, wrote on uh, Facebook a couple of days ago, um, is frustration leads to innovation. Maybe you're feeling frustrated right now with your circumstances, but maybe there's something new to be created. So here we have the Bible. We've got 66 books. We've got an Old Testament and a New Testament, um, a first half and a second half, uh, before Jesus and Jesus and onwards. And we're going to look particularly at the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. And in that particular half of the Bible, most, many of those books were written by a man called Paul, the Apostle Paul. And Paul wrote a number of books, about 13 books in the Old Testament. And some of those he wrote under great duress and challenging times. Paul was not loved by the Jewish leaders of the day. They didn't appreciate his take on faith. These Jewish leaders wanted him to stick to the systems that they had created. And he was talking about the way and this man called Jesus. And there was a lot of discomfort. And so on numerous occasions, he was arrested. And then on one occasion, he was taken to Rome. And while in Rome, he was there for about two years and he was under house arrest, waiting for trial in Rome. And it was in that time when he wrote what's known as the prison epistles. He wrote four letters, four books, like Isaac Newton, who was creative in his time in isolation, like Shakespeare, Paul was the same. He used his time and he used it to great effect, to create scripture that we still benefit from today. Now, I'm not suggesting <laughs> that you should write the book you've been dreaming of writing for all those years while you're in self-isolation. I'm not suggesting you should create something new and do a piece of art or poem, but maybe we can use our time wisely at this time. Maybe we can think about how we use our time while we're stuck in our homes, while we're limited what we can do, while we can't travel the way we used to be able to travel. John Mark Comer said in the recent podcast I was listening to, and he talks about this time of self-isolation like a, an enforced Sabbath, that this time of rest and time of recuperation and time of recalibrating is like a, a, a massive Sabbath that we're all participating, almost like a time of or season of jubilee. And uh, maybe that's something that you need to consider. This could be a time of Sabbath, of resetting uh, the clock and actually pulling things back for a season. And he says these words in his podcast. He said, don't go down the black hole of Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever you may prefer to be using. He said, don't do that. Don't escape from reality. Rather, encounter God in your reality. We can just find ways to while away our time or we could find ways to connect with God in, in the time we have available to us. What are we going to do with the time that we've got? So back to these prison letters. These prison letters, um, I just noticed as well some messages coming. If you're talking online, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, do get in touch with us. Um, our team would love to chat with you. And if you've got any questions, we'll break in a moment and just see if we can actually look at some of those. So in these prison letters, uh, which Paul wrote under house arrest while in Rome, there's four of them. There is Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians and Philemon. Uh, four of them in total. Three of them are addressed to particular churches and Philemon was the name of an individual that Paul was writing to. Uh, 
it was a a special message he was sending to those churches and to that person. An epistle, it comes from a Greek word, epistole, epistole, um, which is essentially saying it's a message or it's a, a letter. But it's more important than just a letter. This was like um, an instruction. It was like a, a message from the teacher to a pupil. Just this morning, we received an email from one of my daughter's teachers giving them instruction for their homeschooling. My daughter's very diligent, both of them are. They're both trying to work at their schooling while they're off school at this moment in time. And the teacher sends a message through. Um, I guess it was an email, but it could have been called an epistle. It was an instructive letter. And it contains a level of authority in the letter. So these four epistles that Paul is writing under house arrest, he is instructing these three churches, new church groups, and this individual Philemon. And so he, he sort of sends out his message. Maybe today he would have used YouTube or he would use Facebook Live if his Wi-Fi was good enough. But back then he wrote physical letters that got copied and uh, copied and passed down and memorised and learnt over the years. So those two years were really invaluable. And he created those four books, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians and Philemon. Now, we're only going to briefly overview those four books tonight. And then we're going to um, spend time over the next few weeks just developing that in more detail. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with your Bible, um, first part of the New Testament is the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Acts, Romans, Corinthians, and then you have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, which one old preacher always told me, he said, you should always remember the order because the acronym Get Every Pub Closed, uh, which is ironic because now every pub is closed. Um, and that's how I've always remembered Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. So those three there, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, are all together. And then really hard to find is Philemon because it's a really small book. Um, it's only one chapter in total and it's stuck there behind the pastoral letters for Timothy and Titus and then you have a one page for Philemon and so they're small books Ephesians is only six chapters um, Philippians and Colossians are only four chapters and so Philemon is only one chapter like I say and so today we're only going to cover some very simple basics of that as we go through the rest of our time together. I hope this is helpful to you. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to make sure what we're doing is useful to you to get you thinking. I'd love you to read some of those scriptures over the next few days before we come back again. Um, just looking through here, some of the comments here. Um, thanks, Phil. He said it's almost blasphemy. I'm, I'm appreciating those comments there. <laughs> um, how have we got from anywhere else there? Great. So good to hear people talking online. Uh, do please send any comments on there. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to participate with you. We'd love to, su to, to support you while you're finding yourself in place of isolation. So I know that there is a team online connecting with you. Do send up your messages. I can see you all chatting to each other. It's lovely. Um, I hope this is helpful to you. And so quickly giving you an overview then are these four books, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians and Philemon. So I've mentioned Ephesians. It's probably one of the most famous of Paul's letters. It's, it's this great book where he is encouraging the church in Ephesus. So the place is called Ephesus. So Ephesians is the people of Ephesus. And so Paul writes to this group of people, but he's writing to encourage them. He's giving them great encouragement. He's there under house arrest and he's encouraging them. He's telling them how to continue walking as followers of Christ. He's encouraging them to still believe in the way that they have chosen to live their lives. He talks about being saved by grace 
in Ephesians chapter 2. He talks about the according of the apostles, of prophets, of evangelists, of pastors and teachers in Ephesians 4. He talks, this is an important one for us right now, he talks about not going to bed angry. And maybe if you're stuck at home with your spouse and you're like, oh, maybe you want to listen to that or read Ephesians 4 about not going to bed or not let, let the sun go down before you finish your conversations with one another. Ephesians 5, um, imitating Christ, making the most of every opportunity. We have an opportunity. How are we going to make the most of that? Other key points, talks about guidelines for a healthy and godly marriage and ends on Ephesians 6 where he talks about the armour of God and he asks us to pray and pray at all times come and pray for all the saints it's such a, a rich book and we could spend a long time um, just going through that one book I want to give a quick overview this evening about that so that's Ephesians Ephesians uh, six chapters and it's a book of encouragement to the church and next we have Philippians uh, the town of Philippi the letter to the Philippian church and in this uh, book, four chapters long, and it is actually it was the most searched for scripture last weekend um, on the YouVersion Bible app. Thousands and thousands, thousands of people downloaded Philippians 4 and read Philippians 4. In fact, we used it here at our live service on Sunday at 10 o'clock. And it says those words, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Great advice tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus it exceeds everything we understand I can imagine why people were looking up that verse to know that we have peace and that we don't have to worry about anything and isn't it amazing that Paul wrote those words 2,000 years ago, while he was stuck inside a house, he was limited in what he could do, but he decides to be encouraging and to write words that thousands of years later would encourage you and I at this time. Incredible. Similar to the letter to Ephesians, Paul is writing his letter to the Philippians here because he wants to encourage them. He wants to speak well of them. Um, they were facing some opposition from outside as well as a fair amount of challenge on the inside of the church and Paul talks about finding joy he says you need to find some joy and find some peace and, and here's a man who's, who's stuck and in solitude and by himself and he's writing to the church in Philippi and says you need people of joy to find your peace in this present circumstance you find yourself he was obviously in a perfect position to talk to them but what an incredible ability to think beyond himself and so um, he there's some key moments in Philippians there's lots of things we could mention here uh, Philippians 1 uh, Paul talks about a uh, God completing the work that he started God has started something he's going to finish what he began uh, Philippians 1 we just mentioned this finding the joy in your present suffering how do we find joy when we're struggling? How do you find joy when you can't find the food on the shelves that you really want? How do you find joy when your family members are ill? How can you find joy when you're not sure where your next uh, paycheck is going to come from? How can you find joy when the wedding you had planned has had to be postponed because we're unable to have weddings at the moment? How do you find joy in those difficult 
times. But Paul writes about that in Philippians 1. In Philippians 2, he talks about every day, one day, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Uh, He talks in Philippians 3 saying that everything is lost compared to knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus is more important than anything else. And whatever we're frustrated about right now, knowing Jesus is more important than what we are facing and being challenged by. Uh, Philippians 4, again, the earlier part of the chapter there, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he says it, rejoice, be full of joy, rejoice, be joyful people, put a smile on your face, even though things aren't going the way you hoped it would go. And then says later on in Philippians 4, whatever is good, remember to think about these things, whatever good, whatever is lovely, to consider these things. And then right at the end, he says this, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's an incredible phrase to use for a man under house arrest. Say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. A powerful book. And we'll go into that again in more details over these next few weeks. What else we got here? Colossians. Um, Colossians is another great book of the Bible, but this was a little bit different. Paul was, yes, encouraging them, uh, but he was also speaking some deliberate uh, teaching back into the church. He'd had a visit from a man called Epaphrodites, and Epaphrodites came to visit Paul in Rome, and he raised his concern about the church in Colossae, uh, the, the Colossian church. He said there was some false teaching going on, a bit of heresy, um, that some people get a little bit caught up in, in Jewish uh, kind of legalism and some Greek speculation. And uh, which some of the things we face today where people get over uh, concerned one extreme or another. And he brought some correction in this book. He was actually talking about, hold on, we can't devalue Jesus Christ, the centre of the Christian faith. And so he brought some correction to the church there. And he wrote to them, challenged them about this false teaching that was happening. He challenged them about their faith and staying grounded in Christ alone and reminding the readers that this was all about Jesus. It was all about him. And so some key themes that come out in Colossians will be things like Colossians 1. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory, the hope. We need some hope right now. Colossians 2, we are complete and forgiven in him. Colossians 3, to be kind to each other as Christ has forgiven you. How much we need to hear those words right now. We need to be kind to each other. That's so important. And to do whatever we are doing in the name of Jesus, to think about others. And then there's some advice there for families in Colossians 3, for husbands, for wives and for children. (laughs) Yeah, children, you don't get missed out as well. And parents, how do you care for your children in these sort of circumstances? There's some really useful advice from Paul there. And lastly, he talks about working as if you are working for the Lord. For those of you who are home working, to make sure, yes, your boss can't look over your shoulder, but what are you doing uh, with the work you're meant to be delivering? How are you getting yourself prepared for your day? How are you giving your time to working hard for the people that employ you? To work as if working for the Lord. And then last of the prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, we have Philemon. And this is unique, it's really short, it's like one side of a piece of paper. You could read it in a few minutes. And it's just a letter. It's a letter from Paul to Philemon. And he, the letter is all about a slave. And Philemon had a slave called Onesimus. 
and Onesimus uh, went for a run. He disappeared off. He, he ran away from home. And when he ran away, he ended up in Rome and he uh, became a convert to the Christian faith. He found Christianity and he met Paul. And Paul sent him back with this letter. He said, you need to go back. And what we need to understand is that slavery at that time was normal and it was accepted. And Paul was telling Philemon there's a different way of treating people. And Onesimus could have gone back and he might have even been killed for running away or at least imprisoned. And in the letter, Paul is saying there's a different way of love and kindness and slavery is not the best way to treat someone. Thousands of years ago, Paul was one of the forefathers of saying, actually, there's a different way of how we treat our, man, our brothers and our sisters in a different way. And so that's a great little, little book there. If you want to have a quick book to read in the Bible, Philemon's that one. That's the fourth of the prison epistles, which you can have a look at quickly. I would encourage you to read those books. It won't take you very long. You could spend an evening or you could maybe spend three or four evenings to read those three or four those books uh, of the Bible. They're short books. They're easy to read. And I would encourage you to get hold of those, to spend time to doing that. Because as Paul's letter or his letters has, has shown us, you know, when you are stuck in uncertain circumstances, unprecedented, we said at the very beginning, um, we can use our time wisely. Paul uses time wisely to encourage the church around the area. He didn't just stay at home. He didn't just say, well, I'm just going to play on my Netflix or play games or just waste some time. He thought I could do something constructive. I could do something useful. And Paul often referred to himself as a prisoner of Christ throughout those letters. In Ephesians 3 and Philemon, he talks about uh, being a prisoner of Christ, something he embraced. He said, you know what, I'm, I would rather die to Christ, die to myself, sorry, so I can be alive in Christ. And he wanted to use all that God has given to him to serve other people. And Paul's ministry was incredible. The fact that we are reading those words tonight this uh, flourishing in isolation is something that we can do because Paul did it first thousands of years ago, that we can learn from him through the words of God, that we can find ourselves in the Bible. Now, as we wrap things up, I just want to give you three things here, three uh, challenges. Can I give you three challenges as we finish things up this evening? Um, number one is this. Um, I remember uh, listening to people talking and when people talk and they encourage you it's always so much more uh, exciting than when someone tells you off I don't want to I don't want to tell you off tonight I want to encourage you like Paul encouraged the church and I want to say can we be encouragers can we be carriers of hope can we be people that even though we're in self-isolation even though we are quarantined and limited in what we can do, can we encourage others? Think about the message we put online. Think about the, the message we send to each other. Let's make encouraging phone calls. Um, Paul was being squeezed, like we talked about at the beginning, and but his attitude of Christ was leaking out of him. What are you leaking out when you're under pressure? Who are you encouraging? Would be one of my challenges that Paul was an encourager. What are you doing as well? And secondly, Paul was Christ-centred. He was a Christ worshipper. He started by worshipping God regardless of his circumstances. I want to encourage you to take time each day to start your day by pausing, having some quiet, to pray, to reflect, to maybe read some scripture and to ask God, what do you want me to do with the day I have ahead of me? To be 
God-minded in our activities, to not just get busy filling our time, but to make sure we start it by saying, God, I've got some extra time today. What can we do with what we have got? Maybe you read those four prison epistles, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. That'd be great and get us all set up for next week. And then the third thing I want to say is, so, so do be an encourager. Second, let's be Christ-centred. And thirdly, Paul lived his life simply. He was under house arrest. He had a simple diet, had simple requirements. And I want to ask us, you know, right now we can't access the shops. We can't get to the gym. We can't get to the cinema or the theatre. We can't get out. We can't go to do stuff that we would normally do unless we're two metres apart from the other people out there. Um, maybe now is a good time to simplify your busy lifestyle. Maybe now is a good time to change some of the things to do. Maybe now is a time to go through your, your various collections you've gathered over the years and go, do I need all this stuff? Could I give my soul a break? Could I use that enforced Sabbath that we have been given to us, an opportunity to do something different? So do be an encourager. Do be Christ-centred. Do give your soul a break and live life simply. Let me pray for us and then we'll bring this time to an end. Lord, I thank you that we are in a season of possibility, that it feels like we've been limited and restricted and held back, but actually, God, we've just got a new way of living at this moment in time. Father God, we pray for those who are helping in the medicine and NHS and hospitals, those who are helping serve on those front lines. We pray for all those volunteers who've signed up today through the NHS Good Samaritan programme. May they be a blessing and may they receive great blessing in the way they give and they serve with their time and their energy. But we thank you that, that, that Paul's words of 2000 years ago, his prison epistles can still speak to us today. We are so thankful, God, for that. Thank you for joining us on this time. We'll be back again next Wednesday at seven o'clock. If you've got questions, send them through to me. Love to hear from you. And join us again on a Sunday at 10 o'clock and again at seven in the evening. Thank you. Bye. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.